0: Hey podcast world, this is Ramon Sanchez. I'm an associate clinical social worker out in California and host of DeStigmatize, a roundtable mental health podcast where professionals I know, members of my community, and some of my friends can discuss topics worth destigmatizing. In honor of Women's History Month, I invited three women who have been breaking stigmas and have been an inspiration to many in the community. My first guest is Mirka Sanchez, a traveling NICU nurse and alumnus of California State University, Bakersfield. Mirka recently started her master's degree journey in family nurse practitioner, however, made the choice to take a break to prioritize her physical and mental health. Mirka has outlined various obstacles from battling her speech impediment to her continuous battle against gender and generational stigmas. Mirka is coming on destigmatized to show women that they can achieve all their dreams despite the obstacles. My next guest is Dr. Sonia Morales, a doctor of occupational therapy. Dr. Morales obtained her PhD from A.T. Still University and completed her undergrad studies at CSU-Bakerfield. Sonia has lived through a whirlwind of obstacles from peer side comments to others questioning if she was capable of completing the goals that she had set for herself. Dr. Morales agreed to do this episode to show women that although one may encounter many obstacles, there is help. It's a matter of being persistent, motivated, and not giving up at the first hiccup encountered. My final guest is Gisela Gaona, a history teacher with the Kern High School District. Gisela obtained her master's degree in education from Point Loma University and a bachelor's degree in history and Chicano studies. Gisela was raised in Shafter a rural community where most women were expected to continue their education past high school. However, she proved them wrong, and I to share her story. Gisela agreed to do this episode to show her students who decide to listen that they too can achieve their dreams no matter the cost. It aims to help break cycles of generational poverty and underrepresentation in the collegiate spaces. And now, here's our episode. All right. Episode four, Latinas breaking stigmas. Welcome, ladies.
1: Hi. Hi. (laughs) Hello.
0: All right. So as stated in the intro, I'm here with Gisela, Dr. Sonia Morales, and my cousin Mirka. So bold disclaimer, I am here with my cousin
2: (laughs) <laughs> so, thanks
0: for joining me. I I really do consider you a hero in a sense. You're the pioneer of the women in, in our family.
1: Thank you, thank you, Primo. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Honestly, I really do.
0: Do you believe that when I say that? When when I I mean, you're the pioneer woman in our family.
1: I guess, like you know how like um, like the like entire term came about of um, imposter syndrome. Yeah, I feel like some of that does kind of come into play. Like whenever I, I do actually hear you say that, because I'm just like me. Like that gives me chills. Like I cannot believe that you know, but. I mean, in a sense, like it—it it really comes about where like I'm like, wow, like yes, like I've actually like you know um, been able to be able to accomplish like, a lot in my entire time here on Earth, and Absolutely. I feel very proud of myself. But in a sense, like I still like you know have that entire small figure of of, of 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 like who I was when I was younger, and so I'm trying to be able to battle that with like who I am now and and like who I am actually becoming. So, right. it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's really
0: awesome. I'm really proud of you. Yeah, thank and you. And again, like, just so you, so you ladies understand the the, con, the structure of our family. So, I have my older sister, and my older sister kind of started it for, like, their generation. But Mirka is the first in our generation. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of me and you.
1: Yeah, definitely. In a yeah. sense,
0: that, that kind of started the, oh, well, we're going to go ahead and go to school. Yes. And then the, we have cousins in Mexico that are super
2: smart.
1: Yes, like, architectures, doctors, dentists, yeah, like, crazy. Awesome. They make us, like, yeah, like, Sound like oh okay well like they're not doing that much I guess
0: (laughs) yeah this guy's just doing a podcast yeah (laughs) (laughs) so before we get started and kind of get into the conversation I just have to say that this episode is dedicated for women and I feel like I have to say this in order for me to prevent getting canceled so before this even starts I want to focus you know and just give my kudos to all ladies and all professionals. And that's just going to be another episode within itself. And there's no shame in any other professions. But this episode specifically is going to focus on Latinas and education. So I just want to go ahead and, and say that. And I hope I don't get canceled. And I hope everyone enjoys <laughs> this episode. <clears throat> but the reason why I felt the need to do this is one, it's Hispanic. It's, I'm um, sorry, it's Women's History Month. So just my my love and respect for all the women that, that do what they do. But 4% of Latinas have obtained and completed their master's by the age of 29. Wow.
1: Yes. (laughs) So compared
0: to all other ethnicities and races, uh, blacks in the U.S. have obtained about 5%, whites about 11%, and Asian women about 22%. So I feel like this is an important episode for us to go ahead and get into. Uh, Not only for that reason, but maybe we could inspire some women.
3: Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So
0: we have a round of professions in here. So I want to go ahead and get started with you, Gisela. Okay. You're a teacher.
3: I am. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh my God. I, I don't even have kids, but I can't uh-huh. even imagine what you go through.
3: I mean, it's definitely a lot and I don't think any... Um level of education, no class, no, no one can prepare you for what you're going to experience just on a day to day basis. Um, Just some of the heartbreaking stories that my students tell me, Um, like most recently this uh, past semester, I found out that one of my students uh, is homeless and she's actually living in a motel on Union with her dad. And it's just heartbreaking to see kids just come in every single day with a smile on their face, but they're wearing the exact same clothes they were yesterday and the day before and the day before. And so you kind of start putting dots together and you realize like hey something's going on here and it's i think that's kind of like where the teacher and the person that's passionate about the career like separate because um you know teaching is just get get in front of the classroom talk uh deliver your lecture and close the book and go home but um you know going above and beyond that um it's kind of like asking questions, trying to find out, you know, what's happening, like what's their backstory, and um, that's honestly the favorite part of my profession.
0: That's awesome. So, it's safe to say that you do way more than just teach and and do Absolutely. that. Absolutely, that's really awesome. Is it safe to say with this particular student that you see this individual progressing because of the hunger that they have, dealing with the struggles? essentially dealing with the poverty, with the homelessness. Do you see this individual striving to achieve more compared to other students?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I feel like a lot of students, um, they face so much adversity just on a day-to-day basis, and they're able to take so much like emotional trauma, and um, they have to mature quicker than their peers right. and so because of that it gives them like a competitive edge because you all know going to college is so much more than just reading books oh, like yeah. you have to be emotionally strong right. to stay there for four years Yeah, so no absolutely. I do see her going on to college yeah that's awesome absolutely mm-hmm.
0: and as we continue something I didn't realize that all of you women are from Shafter so <laughs> Shafter,
2: <General>. Shafter. <laughs> at
0: some
1: I, I didn't realize that either well I mean yeah. I knew that you were yeah it's
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> all played together now that I kind of hear the, the stories before we started recording this episode but it's crazy and for those who don't know what Shafter is Shafter is a rural community out in the middle of nowhere population maybe 16,000 now at the time it was a lot smaller but it's completely agriculture based
2: Mm-hmm. And,
0: you know, and we kind of have to drive half an hour to go ahead and, and get our groceries in a sense. You know, things have evolved within the past couple of years. And there's strides to go ahead and improve the living conditions there for the Hispanic population. But again, kind of 4%, just kind of going back, 4% of Latinas complete their master's degrees. And then I honestly didn't get statistics for, um, for bachelor's. But it, it's, it's crazy to think that only 4% of the nation's population has that you know it, it's that low and and again i'm a president of a nonprofit organization i focus on latinos and trying to obtain upta- and get their degree attainment but latinas it's just a whole another world sonia whenever whenever you hear that statistic what jumps out to
2: you
4: honestly i don't know i guess i've never pictured myself as that small percent mm-hmm. group um, mm-hmm. I just knew I wanted to do better, provide better, um, set a better example in my family. So I don't know. That's I guess it's kind of neat knowing that at least I'm helping that small percentage grow a little more yes. each year. So
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because because yeah. I, I as I told you before we started recording the episode, the reason why you're in this episode is because I reached out to you through Instagram and mm-hmm. I and I was like. Is this her? I feel like I knew her from some point and she thought that I was a creep
1: trying to get on her. Yeah. You're like, no, yeah, I don't want you. <laughs> I did research, look.
4: We had one person in common. I was like, hold on, let me confirm this real quick.
0: And I actually <laughs> knew her from high school. She doesn't really remember. <laughs> it.
1: Yeah. yeah, I know.
0: <laughs> he <road. gave> me,
1: <laughs> yeah, he gave me details and I was like, Oh snap, he doesn't You're know like, oh, so you really like, know me. <laughs> okay. But huh.
4: but
0: seeing the word doctor in front of your name mm-hmm. was completely impressive. Mm-hmm. And I'm like This little girl that I knew from (laughs) Shafter
1: Snaps to you, girl Absolutely (laughs) Has
0: the word doctor in front of her name Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's insane So major kudos to you Thank you And I'd like for you to go ahead and share your story As much as you feel comfortable sharing And what made you want to continue your education? What made you want to get that doctor Go for your dissertation, your PhD?
2: (sighs) Oh,
4: Where do I start? they are gonna be here forever. I'll try to keep it short. Uh, originally, let's see, started went after high, um, kind of not knowing what I wanted. Really didn't have much guidance. Um, I mean, my older cousins some went to college and or were going to Taft or BC and stuff, but um, kind of they're trying to figure out what they were doing. I always knew I wanted to be in the medical field really not knowing what I wanted to do, Um, I was able to be part of the ROC program, and I got uh, my medical assistant through them.
0: And for those that don't know what ROC is, it's the Regional Occupational Center. Center,
4: Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so our high school is associated with it. So um, I went ahead and took that course my senior year in high school. So by the time I graduated high school, I had my medical assistant. Um, from there, I was like, okay, I think I'll pursue nursing. So I started uh, CSUB as a nursing major. Wow. Started, yeah. You were
3: able to get into the major?
4: Wow. Well, I mean, no, uh, I didn't I didn't apply to the program. Okay. I took micro, and I was like, oh, this is not for me. <laughs> <laughs> micro <laughs> is terrible. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, and then the instructor was. So no.
2: Yeah, she
0: yeah. was. Yeah, it kind of drew the passion away.
4: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love off. the lab portion of it, but mm. the lecture. lecture part, I was like, oh my gosh, this lady's gonna kill me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, like I can't do this. So <laughs> then I switched majors, went into kinesiology blindly, not knowing what it was really, just knew all my classes would transfer over. And at that point, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna be done. Like, I'm just gonna get my bachelor's and call it a day graduated, tried finding a job, wasn't a good paying job. I was literally getting paid minimum wage with a bachelor's degree. Thankfully, wow. you know, mm-hmm. um, I qualified for like FAFSA and I had, uh, I had scholarships. So I wasn't, I didn't have a loan to pay, but like, I would sit back and think like, oh my gosh, like I feel bad for everybody who was a Kines major. Cause you really can't make I guess decent money for a bachelor's degree whereas you can with other degrees Mm -hmm. so I was very disappointed and devastated and I'm like okay well what now
0: so for you is it is it safe to say that you didn't grow up with money
4: No, both, uh, my parents divorced when I was really young, so then uh, I grew up with my stepdad. Both my parents worked um, in agriculture. My mom picked grapes her entire life. Uh, My stepdad kind of did seasonal, um, whatever was in season, so from, ranging from grapes to oranges.
0: Right, so agriculture workers, minimum wage, if that, Mm -hmm. and for you, education wasn't even an option uh, to an extent.
4: To an extent. My mom always pushed it. Um, thankfully, she she was very motivated. She just didn't have the opportunity. She had me really young, so she didn't really have the opportunity to go to go to school and get an education. Because my grandma was kind of like, "You screwed up. You had a kid. Like, right. you need to provide," type of thing. So, but when she got my stepdad, um, he they were financially stable where she she. Went back to school, got her GED, and then um, got her cosmetology license and then yeah. ended up op- opening her own business. That's awesome. So that's, for her, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so that's kind of where it like kind of started. Um, that was actually the original plan why I had decided to do ROC was because I wanted to do their cosmetology program. Mm. But my year, they canceled it because they didn't have enough funds. Mm. So then I went down the medical assistant uh, route. And I was like, okay, well, then that's kind of what I want to do Uh, Later in life, so I was like, let me start there.
0: Essentially, that was, like, your second option? Yeah.
4: It's
0: just so
3: interesting to me to hear your story because I feel like one thing that I hear about you is, like, so many doors have closed, but behind those closed, those other doors are, like, even bigger blessings. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's crazy and really cool to hear your story. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. For
0: sure. Absolutely. (laughs) So, going into your master's degree, so, at this point, there was, I mean, money was... A scarce resource.
4: Definitely, yeah. So I graduated CSUB uh, with kinesiology, and then um, the nice part about my degree is I can go directly from my bachelor's to my doctorate. And that's what I did. Gotcha. Yeah. So we don't have to get our masters. We well, we have the options. You can either get your masters or go straight into your doctorate.
0: And, and that was more like, and that was at AT Still's uh, University, correct? Correct.
4: Yeah. So right now, our association as a whole, occupational therapy. So a lot of people don't know the difference between physical therapy and occupational therapists.
3: I don't. You don't Okay.
0: No. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I was. I was again. I was doing yeah. all the pictures and the bios. I ha- I was researching. What the hell does A T Stills mean? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what so the hell?
2: It's and the she, name
4: of our founder, <laughs> it's the school's um, founder. Yeah, it's Andrews. Okay. I don't even know the T. What the T stands <laughs> for? <but laughs> it's Theodore <Andrew's>, or something. <laughs> yeah, Andrews something. Still. Not even
0: Wikipedia knew what the hell it was. <laughs> <laughs> so so then I had no idea what the hell the difference is between the occupational therapy and the physical therapy. So do you mind elaborating on that?
4: Yeah. So. So uh, occupational occupational therapy kind of focuses a little bit more on facilitating or getting individuals back to their daily tasks, whether it's returning to work, whether it's becoming a parent, um, being able to dress yourself, feed yourself, mm-hmm. simple stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, physical therapy, on the other hand, uh, also work a lot along the same lines, But at the end, it's more a little bit, I guess, gate, like getting them uh, mobile, helping the patient get from point A to point B. But it's like once they're at point B, that's where kind of OT steps in. It's like, okay, now that you're here, like what is it that you want to work on? And that's where Mm -hmm. like we kind of collaborate and we both do like rehab. We both um, help with strengthening range of motions and stuff like that.
0: What's the age spectrum that you normally work with?
4: Um, honestly, it depends on the setting you work in. Currently, I work at an outpatient clinic. So my youngest patient right now is nine. My oldest patient is 75, I believe. So world of spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, it's
0: open. There's no discrimination on age. No,
4: definitely definitely not. not. Yeah. And then it, like I said, it depends, um, whatever, each setting looks different. So outpatient is very, very different from inpatient, mm-hmm. from a nursing home, a, mm-hmm. like a skilled nursing home, um, a PEDS clinic. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they all vary um, in some places. In, in my setting, you can tell the difference between who's an OT and a PT. But when you work in an inpatient hospital or, or like even like a hospital setting, it's hard to tell who's who. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Mirka's sitting here and she's like, she's looking at Gisela and I like, ah, you nerds. You guys don't even know what this means. No, 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 no. I do
1: not judge. No, 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 no. Do not say that. Do not judge. And the
0: reason why I joke about that is because you're an NICU nurse.
1: Yes, I am a NICU nurse. And it's funny that you are, uh, well, like how, like, you were talking about the interdependent settings that the OT and PT are able to be in because I actually work with them in the NICU setting, helping us whenever we're doing what we call cares is, and then, and so their entire job is to be able to help to like make sure that while we're changing the diapers or like while we're, we're like doing something with the baby, that like they're actually providing an environment that is close knit so that way it's not as painful and not as an uncomfortable for the baby. And that's how they help us in that sense. And so it's, it's awesome. Like, you know, mm-hmm. how like different. Um, entire settings can bring about like different um, entire duties for the OT and the PT as well.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. There's different fields and they all interconnect and they all Mm intertwine. You know, for me, it's, uh, again, I don't really (sighs) deal with the world that you guys deal with, but for sure, as a social worker, we definitely understand that there's various complexities of one. And again, there's even social workers in the field that that both of you guys work at. Mm-hmm. Right. And even within the school yeah, setting. Yeah, we I have mean, one at
3: our school.
0: Yeah, there's social work that always exists. Mm-hmm. But Mirka, what, one, like, again, so for everyone to understand, Mirka mm-hmm. and I, we, we don't really get to chat all that much. Again, life happens, you know. We, <laughs> yes, absolutely. You know, it's life happens. But it's you crazy. are a traveling NICU nurse. Yes.
1: So what that means is that I get to go to different hospitals and do about eight to about like 13 week assignments at different hospitals and do exactly what I do here in town. So, but just in a different setting. So it's awesome. I get to be in a different city and in like a different environment with different people. And so that actually brings about different opportunities to be able to get exposed with different practices on, on like just how to do like the exact same thing, but just different ways. Right. So it just broadens up your mind to be able to like, okay, like it's the exact same thing, but I can get there by doing other kind of steps, which I mean, like, to you, it's probably, like, a lot easier for you to do it that way. And so it's actually really nice. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah, and again, like, with your your parents, they're super supportive.
1: They are very supportive. I mean, as far as my mom, like, I mean, ever since high school, I mean, like, she's always told me, okay, me as far as boys, it's, it, it'll all come last. Like, you have to focus <laughs> yeah. on getting your career, you know, because uh-huh. marriage, kids, it, it'll all be there, you know, yes. whenever it's time for you to have that. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I need you to, like, you know, like, like I'll go to school and just be determined. To actually make something out of yourself, because this is the reason why dad came to to let the U.S. is for you to Mm -hmm. to let you know, be someone, you know, so
0: you're you're a a second generation Latina.
1: Yes. So your so
0: your mom was born in the U.S. Yes. Your dad immigrated with my dad. Yes. So again, was able to go ahead and fix us and get us ready. And, right. and, and it's prepared crazy.
1: for this world. Yeah. It, it's crazy <laughs> yeah. to
0: think about. Right. And then we talk about our other cousins and it's like, you know, mm-hmm. some decided to go ahead and take, again, everyone's brain works differently. Right. And there's no shame in, in anything that no. anyone's done, but we were the, essentially you and I were uh, again, on top before my siblings, we're the pioneers of our generation. Right. right. And, and, and it's crazy to think about, you know, that, that they went through all the struggle. And then when you think about like her dad, she made it very clear to every single boy that came around her that
3: (laughs) nope there's not there's not gonna be this
4: is not going anywhere this (laughs) is gonna get
1: cut off really quick (laughs) and at first I was like uh rude but now I'm I mean I am thankful for it because I do find you know like just being in a full like committed relationship is a big distraction you know absolutely and and for me I'm just like no like I gotta get what I like you don't want to get to and stuff and then if I find someone running with me I'm like hey what's up Yeah. You know, so, so no
0: hard feelings against your pops
1: and no hard feelings. Against your pops. <laughs> it was out of love. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. So what again kind of being able to travel what was it like you know being able to travel because again it's it, it's a stressful situation and I talked about it in a previous episode where when I moved and I bought this house where we're recording this episode my mom went into a state of depression that she doesn't recognize that she went into and she she literally guilt tripped me into you moved out you no longer loved me and there was was this like and and my mom is very um she's very she doesn't believe in mental health she Mm -hmm. doesn't get any sort of that old school
1: mentality like no uh, i'm good (laughs) when really you're breaking at the seams yeah that nervios exactly exactly Mm -hmm.
0: and um for you and again we we grew up in in a different environment right. you being a second generation how was it like to have the support of your family traveling compared to like my story and you know it and anyone that goes to the previous episode we talk about that situation in general how a lot of hispanic parents they they guilt trip you Absolutely. In, in, in a, in a well period.
1: honestly whenever i first told my parents that i wanted to do traveling, my dad was extremely upset with me he was like you have it made here like you have your house your family your friends like Like, I mean, like, 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 what exactly are you looking for? Like, what are you Mm -hmm. wanting to go out there for? It's dangerous. And I'm like, dad, it's dangerous across the street. Like, (laughs) like, it's going to be fine. Like, if you trust the way that you raised me, then Uh I'm going to be great out there. You know, you just got to support me and, and will I be able to visit each other and I'll FaceTime you guys and I'll, I'll have my like entire, like, you know, settings on my phone. So that way, like, you'll know exactly where I'm at. Like, it's going to be okay. Right. Mm -hmm. Because
0: essentially, you know, compared to, to most Latinos, you made it. You, yeah. you 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 know in their eyes, yeah. You you had the house, you yeah. had the education, yeah. you had the degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At this point, you don't need anything else, you just, right? You
1: exactly, just, like what, like yeah. But in, in their eyes, in their eyes. But for me, I wanted more. I wanted to be able to travel and be able to experience mm-hmm. more that this life and like this world has. You know, right. and where does that come from? I think that comes from the hunger of my dad and 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 like my parents. You know, I mean, like it's just of uh, like wanting to seek out more. Because I mean, as far as my dad, like he was. He was great over there, in Mexico. I mean, per se. But he wanted to come here. Why? Because he wanted more. He wanted mm-hmm. to be able to seek out different opportunities. Be able no. to experience different, different yeah. life.
0: Because your dad was the baby of the family. He was. He, he was, had. A, he had a good. He was
1: very young <laughs> when he came to the U.S. Right. Like extremely young. Yeah. And my
0: and and uh, his siblings again. My my dad and they were the older. And for them, it was like they they worked and they were able to pr- support the family they were able to take care of the house right so her dad was fine but he wanted more mm-hmm. right and and there's stories that go you know in within our family
1: and this, it's funny, sorry. And it's funny because whenever I wanted to travel, um, I even told my dad that exact story. I'm like, Dad, like you, like, uh, like, like, I'm actually you in all the sense because like yeah. you wanted more and you mm-hmm. wanted to go and seek out this new adventure. That's what I want to do. Like, right. like you know, like that's so funny how you want to stop me or mm-hmm. like you know try to be able to protect me in a sense. Like, but it's what I want mm-hmm. and it's what you wanted. Right. So you know, and look what it like you know brought about. It's like.
2: Right, and, you're like, and, why are
0: you
1: contradicting know, yourself? Right, come on, <laughs> <Dad>, that <this laughs> doesn't make sense. And so, that he's like, "Wow, like I can't believe he just turned that to me," and I'm did, like, "Dad, come on, like I know your talk, story." Did he stop talking to <laughs> you? Yeah, no, oh no, no, no. But I mean, like he was very like just kind of like just hurt, you know, just kind of like just man, like why is she going to leave? I think it was just more out of fear of like what, like you know, could happen to me out there since I'm no longer close, you know. And mm-hmm. um, but after he seen that I was. Like super independent out there, and I was doing it, and I was having fun, yeah, and I was thriving. like thriving, and yeah. I was loving it. And, like he was like, okay, like you're good. Mm-hmm. And then I pushed it, and then I went on a cruise <laughs> to the Caribbean for eleven days on my own. <laughs> wow. And then they were like, Mirka, okay, calm you're down. down, you're crazy, <laughs> you better bring it back. And I'm like, no, mom, I love it.
0: <laughs> they give her, and then she goes a mile.
1: Yeah, and I'm like okay, <laughs> let me see how I can push this. <laughs>
0: That's awesome, and, and it's super funny. Again, Mirka's. Uh, dad is super serious. You'll, it's, yeah, it's, it's very super, traditional
1: uh, Mexican. It's like super
0: hard to even get him to smile.
1: Yes. Oh. And <laughs> yeah.
0: you see Mirka's stories on Instagram and on social media. I've never seen that man smile. And I'm like,
1: <laughs>
0: what the F is
1: happening? <laughs> I promise he's um. loving, guys. <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely. Gisela, what about you? you? Your intro was literally I, I proved everyone wrong. Oh. And your, And your intro said, I want to share my story. Tell us about yes. your story.
3: Um well I Mirka just listening to your story, it yeah. sounds so much like my own story, really? just like um having like a very present father figure and just like very old school Latino like they have these like competing values where they do want to see you well and they push you to go to school. But then you you get to that end goal where you're like, Okay, I packed my bags, I'm going to use Santa Barbara, I'll see you in four years. And they're like, Well, wait a minute, like what's going on? Yeah. And I remember my senior year at Chapter High when I was doing tours with my my family, my dad. Uh we went to UCLA and I I was like wow this is a really great school I could really see myself here and my dad's like well are you sure Um, UCLA is right here in LA and you know Las Pandillas and I was like dad okay (laughs) I'm like okay so then we went to UC Santa Barbara and we're out on the cliff uh, in Isla Vista and my dad's like wow look there's um, gosh what are those things called Um, a tsunami you could die of a tsunami here and I'm just like dad there's like how you said there's danger everywhere everywhere." so So I had to like basically convince my dad that, you know, like he set me up to do really well in school. And this is like the fruition of 13 years of school. And so it was my time to fly the nest and go to UC Santa Barbara. Um, And just, you know, obviously that came with a lot of difficulties being away from the family. Mm -hmm. Kind of going back to what you said, Ramon, I felt like there was a lot of guilt in leaving the family. And it was hard for me to reconcile the fact that I'm doing something good for myself and my family. But at the same time, it felt like I was abandoning my family. Right. I and totally agree hurt. with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah no, lot. absolutely. I mean, it's, it's like this. It, you summarized it very well. It's like there's this contradiction in mm-hmm. values. Mm-hmm. They want you to, to excel. They want you to go ahead and be the best version of of what they couldn't be
3: exactly right
0: and all of a sudden you want to go ahead and backtrack <laughs> what the hell you're saying yeah,
1: exactly. i think he just comes out of fear like wait a yeah. second hold on the all becoming a little
0: too real yeah. now
4: right.
1: <laughs> yeah exactly yeah
4: no
0: it's it's everything that they were prepping you for yeah and all of a sudden so again for you it's you grew up in Hmm. so how was growing up in Shafter like
3: um well so i had I don't know what part of Shafter you all grew up in, but mm-hmm. I grew up on Fresno Avenue um, and I grew up in a labor camp, actually. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like my experience is a little bit different than the I'm going to call it the mainstream Shafter person, <laughs> like the person that actually lived in Shafter just because we were even out further than and everyone else. And so uh, like my I didn't have neighbors. My neighbors were uh, the vineyards and the mm-hmm. almond orchards. And so I felt like I had a very extra rural growing up, like my life was just, I felt like everybody, everybody that was around me, because it was a labor camp was just very ter- transient. And um, the the highest like aspiration that I saw was just get, get a job in agricultural fields. And so I never had a, a person that I never knew anyone that went to college, much less a female Latina that, you know, did anything past high school and I remember when I was in high school like my dad's dream was just me getting an office job he always said like mija you have to be somewhere where there's ac right. where there's fresh air where you're sitting down if you if you become a secretary you didn't you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's a great job for you yeah. and I was like well Yes, but also <laughs> I have higher aspirations. Right. So that was also another thing that we needed to grapple with, like uh, father and daughter.
0: Where did these aspirations come from?
3: I think uh, going back to what you and Mirka have been talking about also from my dad. My dad is so intelligent and it's wild and Insane to think that he only his formal education stopped in the third grade, Mm -hmm. and so the things that I see him build, um, like using geometry to to build all these things in the backyard, and helping me with my homework. And uh, my dad's dream was actually to become a math teacher, and he loves math to this very day. And so just seeing him want to pursue a higher education but not being able to because of poverty because of family obligations kind of i feel like put the pressure on me like kind of like said, like now we have to carry the torch for our parents and we have to continue that unfinished journey that they started by coming into this country
2: right
0: Right. Mm -hmm. not absolutely and maybe it might be too much for me to share but your your dad grew up as a single father
3: he did yeah and i did yeah yeah Mm -hmm. so
0: in a sense, were, were those values also instilled from your mother?
3: Absolutely. I feel like my mom was a huge inspiration in my life. Um, she, obviously, same thing. She she graduated from the sixth grade from La Primaria. Um, but one thing that she always instilled with me is read, uh, go to school, get all the help that you possibly can, um, because she knew that her formal education was so limited that she couldn't help me past. You know, like elementary school was basically where she was able to stop and um, she was learning English at the same time that I was learning English because this was back in the day when mm-hmm. Chapter High had um, bilingual education. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ladies did it, but mine was late immersion. So I didn't speak fluent English until I, I was like nine years old. And it's weird because I'm an American citizen. I'm born mm-hmm. in Fresno, <laughs> California, but I don't speak English. And so my mom and I were, um, we bought English in Barrera.
1: I remember those
3: commercials. <laughs> yes.
0: Yes. Shout out to Sabaduji. (laughs)
3: so together we we i felt like i i had an educational experience with her and it was it was really nice and i i have fond memories of of learning a brand new language for both of us that's awesome
0: it's amazing yeah Yeah. you you express the culture that you that that was instilled by your mother and your father and you still carry that and again and again i know you on a personal level Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you, your marriage, your wedding, congratulations also, by oh, the right. way. Thank you. So, so, was in Guanajuato? Wow. In
1: Guadalajara?
2: Guadalajara. <laughs> 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 it's
0: a G, whatever.
3: It's, <laughs> other it's a G. Ahí está, ahí está. But again, it, oh.
0: for you, why was it important for you to get married in Guadalajara?
3: I think um, it's just, it felt like I needed to, I've always felt like, I don't know if you all feel like this, like, I always felt like this internal need to reconnect with my culture and I don't know if part of that is being like a first gen um individual with parents that are so strongly like rooted in the Latino Mexican culture and I felt like I needed to honor um you know my ancestors my culture my history with having a a truly Mexican wedding and not just like a traditional Mexican wedding, but we actually decided to do a ceremony that was like Aztec based. Wow. So we nice. didn't do anything religious. And I, it was really nice and powerful to reconnect with our ancestors at um, the most important day of my life. Wow, it's amazing. Awesome.
0: You were part of that 2%. You were part of that decade earlier. Yeah. Now we're at 4%. It was 2% when you and I were going to school. Yeah. And you represent a number. You're part of that four percent that, again, continues striving their education, and now you're a teacher.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: How do you instill? How do you create this generational difference? How do you? How do you reduce the collegiate stereotypes, the mm-hmm. underrepresentation? How do you do your small part in that?
3: I feel like. When I was in high school, I can remember how many Latino teachers I had. I had Mr. Reyes for history, and then I had Señora Gómez de Rivera for Spanish, and those were my only two Latino teachers. And thinking back to who my favorite teachers were, it was my AP Spanish teacher (laughs) and Mm -hmm. my um, government teacher, Mr. Reyes. And just reflecting on past the content it was the connection that I was able to make with them and uh, going into the educational field and getting my master's in education um, some of the research that I uncovered was that if you have a teacher of color you're more likely to do well academically because you're able to connect with them you're able to see yourself in them and you you have a model Mm -hmm. so I felt like that was something that I always carry when I go into the classroom Um, I feel like I'm very transparent with um, just everything that I went through in college, how hard it was to break those cultural ties. Mm -hmm. Like I have to, you know, leave this area to go to Santa Barbara Mm -hmm. um, for four years. We we don't
0: know what Santa Barbara is. You know, Yeah, Mm -hmm. you go, you go, you leave Shafter, which Mm -hmm. is completely agriculture, and then you go
3: into the city. And yes, which just Santa a and, and it's like, like this little
1: person in the big world.
3: Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> you know? And not only that, but it's in the 2000s, so we yeah. didn't have FaceTime, we didn't have yeah. Snapchat, Instagram, none of that stuff existed. So it's like you um, went away, away.
2: <laughs> right?
0: And, and wow. Unless you had someone in your top eight on MySpace.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, MySpace! I and love MySpace. Yeah, my dad did not have MySpace, so there was no reconnecting. <laughs> oh,
0: <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. That's hard.
1: That, yeah, definitely hard. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. So again, you're you a true inspiration. So again, and and I'll kind of share my story. There was a teacher that I had in fourth grade, and she was an inspiration for me. She was white, and that was big for me. Um, and it was crazy because I went to her as an adult because um, I ran for school board in Shafter, and I yeah, went to I remember
3: her, that you you came to my house when you were running. Yeah,
0: for sure. Yeah. I, I I did I did my rounds, mm-hmm. and um, and and I saw her, and it was a completely different person. I'm like, I don't know how you inspired me because you're not the person that you were. Wow. I don't know if you, I don't know if you lost your passion. Wow. I am not I am Sorry to Paul hear that. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, yeah. it is what it is. Um, yeah. And then, and then I went back to the high school individuals and, and again, kind of like the teachers that you mentioned mm-hmm. and, and I got to reconnect with them and the people that I reconnected most were the people of my color. Yep. And and it's crazy to think about as, you know, I'm not trying to sound racist or be mm-hmm. racist because I'm, I'm really not, but it was, it, it's just crazy how I don't, I, I wish I could speak with this teacher and, and just ask her, you know. Did our community do something to you? Because right. because I felt that immediate hatred towards me because of that the color, oh, because okay. of the color of my skin. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you inspire new generations.
2: I ha- try. <laughs> <laughs> again, you're, you're a high
0: school teacher, which is a, a completely different field. It's a completely different yeah. monster because it's like at this point, people, are, students are jaded. They're not going to go back and mm-hmm. talk to their to talk to their teachers. It's, it just doesn't happen.
3: Right.
0: Have students come back to you and thank you.
3: Yes. Yeah. And I feel like uh, in the last couple of years, education and teaching have been so vilified by social media, by Mm -hmm. just society, Um, especially during the pandemic, we were portrayed as these people that we were lazy, we didn't want to go back to work. We're, um, you know, not putting students needs first. And so uh, having students come back or having students email me or message me on social media and read things like, you inspired me to um, be a social studies teacher or you inspired me to major in history just it it reminds me of why I got into this field because a lot of the times it is a thankless job yeah I agree that's mm-hmm. that's awesome thank you for sharing yeah, that thank you
0: Dr. Morales there's so many Latinas
3: do you like that sound of that I don't know, I'm still trying to it. So <laughs> I'm, like, I, I'm like, ooh, it's got a little ring I know, it's my face. I know, like, hey. <laughs> I I was
4: like oh. I have,
0: For me, it's I have to give you kudos. Absolutely, oh, thank you. Yeah. That <laughs> doctor <laughs> is huge. And yeah. Yeah. you have to be proud of that. There's, you have there's, to, there's, yeah. So I have to ask you, how do you advocate for women to continue their education? Especially, again, knowing how we grew up. How do you reach out to them? And how do you tell them, keep going?
4: Honestly, it's, It's definitely, you can get offended. People, because of your color, you always get, like, looked down, like, Mm -hmm. if you're dumb, whether you are or you aren't. Mm -hmm. I remember, um, so, going back, same, kind of, I guess, your guys' routes, uh, first generation, Uh, first one to go to, I guess to a university get a bachelor's yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. and then i'm also (laughs) like, (laughs) and i'm also like the one of the smallest cousins um so i don't know it's just hard like you just gotta keep focus i guess don't get discouraged when one or two doors close like there's always somebody out there willing to help you just Got to know or got to be persistent to wait to find that one person that's going to open that door for you. Who helped you? Oof, I have a long list. I reached out like crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't care. I was not shy. Like, um, at CSUB, it was camp the camp program shout out camp i'm a camper yeah. too yeah i was like <laughs> camp in eop man I eop, yes. Yes. I was like, EOP
1: Summer But uh-huh. definitely
4: definitely my camp advisors are the ones that help me kind of guide me uh through everything like i would always mm-hmm. reach out for a bunch of different things like when i would not understand anything or like mm-hmm. what requirements were and i'm like i have no help like how my mom tries to help me but she's like i don't First off, all, she's like, I can't read what, like, what it's saying. So I was mm-hmm. like, okay, like, this is what it's saying. I was like, but I don't get it. So right. she's like, well, I'm sorry. She's like, is there anybody else you can reach out to? Mm-hmm. So it was definitely camp. My camp advisors helped a lot. Miss um, Gomez. Miss Gomez was another individual who helped. And then uh, Mr. Surratt, he was a science yeah. teacher. Yeah, Surratt. Mm-hmm. I was really, really close with him. So he helped out a little bit. Like, I would ask him. Some questions mm-hmm. and I was like I have no idea what to do like where do I go from here so they were very very helpful um so, but it was mainly just, like, reaching out just to random people. And it's, like, how... That how, is so how, brief. Yeah, and like, how do you, how yeah. you just go through it? Like, yeah. my yeah. mom would always question me. She's, like, I know. She's, like, ¿cómo vas a pagar con todo? Like, yeah. ¿cómo vas a pagar por todo eso? And I was just, like, I get loans. Yeah, and like, and then I'm going to do it somehow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then I was, like, other people do it. why can I do it? Yeah. And then right. she's all, like... Yeah like, oh, because going back, I was supposed to go away for undergrad, and uh-huh. she bribed me. Oh. Yeah, she's like, no, stay here, I'll buy you a car. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I mean, cars are important. They, they are. are. Yeah, I rode
3: the bus for four years. Yeah. So. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. No, yeah. so I was like,
4: oh, okay, yeah. At the end, yeah. she buy me a car. She made me pay for it, but whatever. <laughs> well, whatever. So and then I remember, a fine print. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. For, for grad school, I remember she, again, she was like very encouraging, you know, like, Guy's the limit, like, you keep going. And I was like, okay, like, I'm doing this, like, but I have to move away. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, can't you find something local? And I was like, no, they don't have what I want to study here. And then she's like, okay, well, how far away are you thinking? And I was like, where do I get in at this point? I was yeah. really trying to move to Oakland. My dad lives in the Bay, so I was oh. really trying to get into a program that's, like, down the street from his house. And I was like, I'll just stay with him. Um, but that didn't work, and I ended up moving uh, to Arizona, Um, that was just one of the closest schools I was able to get to Mm -hmm. get into at the time, but it's definitely just, I guess, having my mom as a motivator. Um, even though she couldn't help me, like she didn't know what was required. She Mm -hmm. always motivated me. She was like, just keep going. Like, don't give up. Right. Reach out to people figure out how they're doing it and, yeah. and like, try and follow their steps. And <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, right. wait, like, that's, that's fine. So that's essentially what I did. So yeah. I shout-outs to all those people that helped me because yeah. that's why now I try to give. Like any time anybody like reaches out to somebody and then they reach out to me, they're like, hey, like, do you mind helping me? And I'm like, no, not at all because mm-hmm. I was that person. <laughs> the that right. Yeah.
0: Yes. That's awesome. That's great advice. So, again, I I just encourage you, Dr. Morales, to encourage the doctor. Because, again, for the first time (laughs) in our nation's history, Mm -hmm. there's actually... Latina women have earned the majority of doctorates in the US. So you're wow. part of that. You're part mm-hmm. of that statistic, which is awesome. Yeah. So I give major kudos to you. Major snaps, girl. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: so major kudos and, and I'm curious, does your family talk shit for for <laughs> updating the, the doctorate? You know? No. Do they, do they call you
4: doctora? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean don't don't get me don't get me wrong. Like they're they're so very supportive. Like mm-hmm. sometimes I feel bad because I feel like of my uncles kind of tell like my younger cousins like you need to be like her and it's like no like yeah then yeah. you get that like, then, yeah because no. then I feel like then they're gonna resent me right you know? so definitely not my family's very um, very I guess supportive and very proud mm-hmm. so no my cousins all love me and they're like yeah. they're like we know what you've been through like I've cried so much oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, awesome. it's a struggle It is. <laughs>
1: Trust me, I know. Yeah.
0: What about for you, Mirka? How, would, how, how do you essentially advocate for women to continue their their education?
1: So, I mean, I've been a part of, like, a lot of different groups when I was in college. Like, I was at a part of, like, sorority, and I was um, through the, like, entire like student government and stuff. And so I always had other students wanting my help or whatever you know mm-hmm. and so it was always I mean in that sense to be able to help them out with like even just being able to like you know help guide them like down like the right path to be able mm-hmm. to make it easier for them because I was the first one going through the entire the like you know like to to, to like I should become a nurse and stuff so I like had to be able to learn all of the entire route the hard way you know I feel like after me I was able to like you know Help other people to be able to, like, like, um, uh, I don't even know where I'm going with this, (laughs) like, facilitate
3: the pathways. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. And Mm so, um, and so, yeah, so, I mean, I guess, like, in a sense, just to be able to help them know that it's hard, but it's doable. If you put your mind to it, like, you're able to obtain whatever you want to obtain. And as long as you have a good solid like support group if it's either friends or family it's what makes Mm -hmm. you like you know that much like 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 we're like 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 um for example like as far as my parents like even though like they didn't have that entire education to be able to help me out through college like they helped me with like feeding me giving me like gas money because i was a broke college student you know (laughs) or like something super simple as that but it really helped me to be able to navigate through life you know Mm -hmm. and through college and stuff um and so yeah I mean I don't know what else I can it, it, it's not really ringing a bell with Indian sorry now you're good but I
0: mean yeah. shoot yeah. paying your sorority dues of course you were a broke student, <laughs> broke <laughs>
1: student <honestly. laughs> and that's the reason why I decided to do like student government because um I was able to get paid <laughs> and help with getting a grant for school and oh. so I put a little bit more on my plate you know mm-hmm. like I was doing a lot like I, I was doing like event planning and stuff for like the campus and sorority life and nursing and yeah. I was like oh my gosh like well, what am I doing to myself you know but it's what kept me going like that right. whole social aspect and being how to have um, like the like the like entire friends that I did have that were all in like the like, exact same type of study groups with me is what kept me going and so not sleeping. yeah not sleeping yeah Yeah. i pretty much stayed on campus like all my life yeah Uh (laughs) uh-huh yeah
0: mirka in your intro you mentioned that you have that you battled and you have battled a speech impediment yes so that uh, sorry no go ahead and you've also gone through a whirlwind of just gender biases Mm -hmm. i'm assuming within the workplace yes and i'm assuming that you that you go through that essentially gender discrimination
1: yeah, well you- like so as far as my like um entire speech impediment, it's like one of those things that like I I do put it out there because like I feel like um growing up it was one of those things like I was always embarrassed about, you know, because like it 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 did only start in high school. Before then I was in oral language, like I loved being up there talking and stuff. So I don't know if it was just the stress I was going through in high school, like it really got to me. I, I really don't know. I mean I've gone to therapy for it and stuff and they're just like I don't know it just (laughs) happens and I'm like okay (laughs) and so honestly like I went through a lot with that like you know like trying to be like in classes and stuff having to do like presentations Mm -hmm. like because I I know what to say but just like my my brain and my my voice and my speech it just doesn't correlate sometimes and it kind of goes into a big old train wreck (laughs) um but Um but yeah, so but I I never allowed it to stop me from doing what I want to do. Like I'm literally a patient advocate. I'm mm-hmm. my patient's voice. Like mm. I like all of my patients can't speak for themselves, they're babies. Right. So it's yeah. up to me to say, Doctor, I don't like how my patient's reacting to this medication or whatever it is, you know, it's up to me to speak up. No. And so I've never allowed it to stop me, you know, no. like it's just like one of those things where well like, okay, I guess it's part of my story now, you know, like right. it's fine. Like, you know, um, and as far as the inter-gender thing, I mean, um, like, like in a sense, like, guess, like as far as like nursing, um, it's full of women, of course. Right. But I think right. that makes it even more competitive because, um, like in, in a sense, because like, if you're a male going into nursing, like you're seen as like, wow, you're like this shining little like a thing unicorn. there, a, a, mm-hmm. right, right, because like they have the strength to be able to do certain things that as a woman we don't have the strength to be able to turn our patients without mm. like any um, assistance from like mm-hmm. a lift or whatever, like a yeah. machine. Um, but yeah, and well, I mean, it, it's just one of those things that I guess you just have to like. Like, you have to be able to shine in different ways. Yeah. yeah. No,
0: for sure. And, you know? And for me, I, I can relate to what you just said, because, again, in my field of social work, I'm a bilingual male. Which right. Is, I'm, I'm a unicorn. and right. And it sucks. Honestly, it does suck that it's, like, I I do I see the special preference that I get, and right. I'm, like, mm-hmm. I don't appreciate that. Like, right. you need to treat mm-hmm. my colleagues the same way that you treat, you know, my, me. Cause right. It, mm-hmm. and, it, and it does suck. I, I don't like that, especially in my profession. But, again, you I always and, and again, just so everyone knows, I, I don't have the best relationship with my cousins, that's by choice. <laughs> but Mirka is again, I, I consider you a hero. You've gone Thank through you. you've gone through a world of again, you for, for those that don't know you, you... And we've had conversations about this. Yeah. You you were born with a lazy eye.
1: Yes. Well, I was born with... um So, like, I, I don't know if you guys know about how um, older people get, like, cataracts. I was born mm-hmm. with a cataract in my right eye. So, I was mm-hmm. born essentially blind. So, I've had eight surgeries on my eye. Wow. And so... Like, the entire reason why I have a lazy eye now is because um, it's not able to see. I'm considered blind in my eyes, so it's just constantly trying to find what they call the light. But then after a while, it gets tired and it gets mm. lazy, so it just kind of hangs out and does its own thing. Yeah. And so that, of course, has put up so much obstacles growing up as well, yeah. like being bullied and stuff, you know, and, like, yeah. really tearing apart, like, my self-esteem, you know, mm-hmm. but... I grew up with such loving parents that, that always would tell me, no, mija, like, you're, like, you know, like, you are, are always beautiful. Like, you're, like, friendly. You're kind. and so, But I think all that kindness came from, like, the world, like, attacking me and mm-hmm. me, like, no, I'm going to be who I am for other people to, like, you know, like, feel comfortable around me and stuff because I always was, like, kind of, like, pushed to the side, like, in, like, school and stuff, you know, because I was considered different or weird or mm-hmm. whatever, you know. Yeah. But um, I never allowed it to... So like fully get to me, of course, like, I mean, like, I've got my days where I'm like, man, I'm struggling today, (laughs) you know, but I mean, on the other days, I'm great, you know, because I know that like, you know, God made me like, like, in this way for a reason. Mm -hmm. And my existence is for a reason, you know, and so it's either to like touch someone else's life that was Mm -hmm. born like this, too, because I've, I've gotten it several times where I'm either at, at a doctor's office or somewhere else and. And they're and they're and they're like you know asking me about my story with my eyes because they've got a sister or oh. or, or or like the, or like they have a cousin that has a lazy eye too and they don't feel confident or like mm-hmm. they don't feel like you know really good about like going out and like mm-hmm. and being social and stuff you know and I get to share that you know with them and so that way like like they're able to like take that home to their cousin or to a sister and be like no like you can do this mm-hmm. you know like you're able to like to like go and face the world even though like there's a bunch of people that are gonna be like. <laughs> you yeah. know yeah but I think that just makes us all like I mean like like I feel like it definitely makes us super unique you know and I think it just makes me who I am you For know sure. super mm-hmm. empathetic super yeah. kind I know that sounds like maybe super arrogant <laughs> no. No, no. but no. It, no. It's, it's honestly yeah like because I mean I've been through a lot I have and but like I said before it's never stopped me from from like becoming like who I want to become
0: yeah. No. Yeah. Again, you're you're an inspiration, yeah. and Thank again, you. people see that. Um, I see again your Instagram stories. There's, uh, <laughs> you're you're cross cultural now. Yeah. You're yeah. <laughs> you, you have a lot of Indian Indian friends that again that you participate in their weddings, and that's awesome. Yeah. And again, that's a reflection of who you are as a human. Right. So
1: I am very inclusive. That's who I am, and I think that's because of. The obstacles that I faced when I was younger, I always wanted to include that one person that was right. by themselves. I was like, no, come like come and be my friend, you know, and that's who I am right. naturally, you know, like it's just one of those things like and it's funny because even one of my friends that she actually came from um, India and like and I, I think it's been maybe like 10 or 15 years now maybe 11 12 years but she still says that I was her first friend Aww. here in the US because <laughs> it was in biology when I was like come over and sit with me like cuz I knew that she was like scared I, I I mean I pick up on vibes really well and so <laughs> I could tell she was nervous and like she didn't really know English and so I was like oh like come with me you know like it's fine and then I kind of like, integrated her with my group of friends and took her under my wing. Yeah, <laughs> and now yeah. she's at the carne <laughs> <Karnasala>. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: th- there's two again in our family that didn't exist, um, and and there was and there were again there's there's various personalities. But Mirka's the type of personality that's super inclusive. I'm yes. the personality that dis- distanced myself from the family. <laughs> so again, again, major kudos for being you. So thank you, thank you, you for that. being you.
1: Thank you, I appreciate that.
0: Isla, how would you? advocate for women to continue their education
3: um well obviously outside of the classroom um i mean inside of the classroom i you know just by being myself going back to what i said i'm just really transparent i talk a lot about like the struggles that we were talking about in this podcast uh very openly which i felt like when i was in high school um the wall of separation between the professional teacher and the human teacher were a little bit more rigid. And so I've worked to tear those walls down and say, hey, like, I'm a human. I (laughs) I have feelings, I have issues. And just being really open about a lot of the issues um, that I personally struggled with, you know, because a lot of the things that we're sharing are just, it sounds like, it's been a couple of generations and we're still hearing like parents are fearful. Parents mm-hmm. don't want you to leave like from home. Um, and so I hear the exos- exact same stories with my students. I have students that get accepted to UCLA, USC, just these amazing schools. Right on. <laughs> wow. And then when May comes, they don't go. And yeah. it's so heartbreaking because I know it's their, it's their family's fear mm-hmm. of losing their child, especially if the child is a female mm-hmm. um, that y- really, it's it's hard. It's it's like a, I don't know, a generational cycle that we need to break. Um, but outside of the classroom, um, I do a lot of mentoring. So I'm a Rose mentor for a program here in Kern County. And I currently have one mentor, actually, we're meeting tomorrow. Um, and let's see. Oh, I'm also a Casa. So I, oh, nice. I'm sure you know what that the is, court right? The
0: court-appointed uh, special advocate.
3: Yes. Uh, I just got my letter in the mail. I've oh. been two years now. I just my two-year anniversary i started ironically right like the week that covid started so that was a challenge uh being at casa during covid um but i specifically choose or i ask to be paired with uh females to be paired with um people of color just because i feel like those are the people in the foster care system i'm sure right. that you know um that are overrepresented and need the most help from professionals absolutely so um i do also some more volunteer work but Um, mentoring is a really really big part of who I am outside of the classroom that's awesome and um, if I can just go back to the question
1: because whenever you asked me I was like really confused but now that she was (laughs) talking about all that I'm like I'm always the one at work that always takes upon with like you know like helping to teach all of like the entirely CCB students or the like entire BC students because I feel like if you are excited about your job, then you get to be able yes. to incite that feeling with the, with the like with 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 all of the like entire students too. Because at that point, like they're nervous, like they're just mm-hmm. like, oh my god, this is too much, you know. And so mm-hmm. after seeing or after being around someone that has been able to do even travel nursing too, it's like wow, like, there's different avenues that I can take with this nursing career, you know, like not only being in one place at one time, you know. And so I think that's like like my way that I can (laughs) be able to help students be able to make their way there. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. So round table, what about those people that are afraid to go ahead and pay for college? And again, um, Dr. Morales mentioned that she was going to go ahead and go into cosmetology. Mm So education wasn't an option because of the cost. Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you tell the next generation that it's going to be okay?
4: Honestly, I tried doing a little bit of research <laughs> I was just like, I didn't understand half of how loans work. I've never had a loan in my life. So I was just like, okay, I'm just gonna go in this blindly. And that's literally what I did. I was just like, you know, I'll figure it out. Like other people figure it out. Why can't I like, mm-hmm. you know? So yes, literally I maxed out my loan my first <laughs> year. I remember and I'm like, Better safe than sorry. I'm just gonna pull all the money I can. That's a mistake. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> budget. Please budget. <laughs> do not do what I do. No, um, but yeah, you just kind of learn. You just have to really. You can't be shy. Um, if you need help, there's people out there that are willing to help. Mm-hmm. You just, like I said, you just have to keep asking until you find that one person. You will find that one person you feel comfortable with who you will talk to a lot. Mm -hmm. Always come for, like, different advice, um, whatever it is, whether it's personal, financial, anything mentoring or anything. Um, So essentially what I did, I just kind of went in it blindly, and I was like, you know what, Mm -hmm. like... People figure it out. I'll figure it out too. I'll, I'm right. either gonna sink or I'm going to swim, and I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> so a <good> yeah, <laughs> you'll be dog paddling. <laughs> in yeah, place. yeah. I'm
2: like breathing through a straw, but <laughs> <here. laughs> I'm living. Okay, <laughs> that's, funny. that's yeah. funny.
3: So
1: that, or like, there's also the whole option of doing scholarships. So yes. I applied to so many scholarships right mm-hmm. after high school, or like while I was a senior in high school, mm-hmm. and thankfully I was able to pay for my first year of college with that. Like. I I, I don't know how I did it, but I I was able to get so many like scholarships back and stuff saying that I was able to like get like the money from them, whatever and stuff. So definitely I would say to seek out as much scholarships as you can because there's Mm -hmm. money out there that people are willing to give like Pepsi or like Coca-Cola. Like there's just like crazy different ones. If you're left-handed, you get a scholarship. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, like it doesn't matter but it's just having to do the work literally to to, like, you know, write those crazy essays or answer the questions Mm -hmm. and what do you
0: tell the lazy people like myself <laughs> that, that don't want to write the damn scholarship? Because I barely write a scholarship or an essay for my school. What do you tell those people?
1: Honestly, I mean, to me, it's just like I don't know. For me, it was one of those things. Like I, I grew up with my parents, like like you don't. Know, not exactly having a lot of money. Like, mm-hmm. I, like, remember going to KFC, all, all of us trying to be able to get our, like, nickels and dimes to be yeah. able to pay for, a, like, a chocolate cake, you know? And so, like, I think that was always in, in like, my mind, like, being the oldest, like, I seen the struggles of my mm-hmm. parents financially, you know? And so mm-hmm. I'd, like, I, like, I feel like that's what really, like, got me into, like, hey, I don't want a lot of our money to go into paying for school because my mm-hmm. dad was like, like, we will do whatever we have to do to pay for your school. And I'm like... Right. No, that really scared me, you know, so I think it was more of that, like, where I got to, like, you know, like, you know, like, I have to try my best to be able to get as much scholarships as I could. So Mm -hmm. even if I didn't sleep on certain nights in high school, I was like writing my essays, Mm -hmm. getting as much research as I could to be able to get as many scholarships as I could just because I was like. God forbid, like, no, I, I don't want to put my parents into debt, you know, because my dad was so against me by like, taking out loans. Like, he was just like, no, how like, you cannot, because he was so, like, afraid of me, like, getting, like, a bad credit score because I'm not <laughs> paying for loans. <laughs> you know, like, he was yeah. thinking, like, yeah. ahead, like, you know, meha like, you have to have a good credit score. Here in the U.S., that's, like, your golden ticket to Absolutely, buy a house, yeah. to buy a car, yeah. like, you know, like, you have anything. to have a good anything, mm-hmm. you know? So that was just one of those things that was always instilled in me, like, whenever I was... In
3: high school, but like, I feel like also that's sometimes a deterrent to go to it. Like how I was telling you, Ramon, uh, to go to those big four-year universities, yes, um, because of that fear um, of getting into debt, right? Mm-hmm. And so I feel like a lot of the times, and I see this all the time with my students, they get so discouraged when they get that um, statement bill thing from their school saying oh your school tuition is going to be $17,000 right. that doesn't count room board books right. transportation, gas Ex- food yes exactly books <laughs> exactly yeah and I remember when I was uh, going through that same fear because that's my dad to this day the only loan that he's ever had was his mortgage yeah. he doesn't own a, cr- a card Nothing. all the cars that he ever purchased off a lot were straight cash yeah. everything everything was always cash so f- oh. Yeah. Oh. yeah that's what hard yeah. worker yeah, okay. <laughs> No, it's just we went, we went uh, without for a long time yeah, to make right. sure that we had, right. you know, no. the cash. And so that, I felt like that got instilled in me. And so my senior year, uh, when I was thinking about going to UCSB and I was thinking about maybe staying home and staying at CSUB uh, locally just so I could save money, my avid teacher pulled me inside, aside and she's white. And she told me, hey, Isela," she's like, come here. And I was like, okay, uh, what's up? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's like, are you worth a car? And mm-hmm. I was like, Yeah, of course. Like, what do you talk look at me? <laughs> so she's like, Well, then why won't you get a twenty five thousand dollar loan or whatever it is, right? And I was like, dang, like really put it into perspective. Like right. people are willing to pay twenty, twenty five thousand dollars for a car, but aren't willing to put that into their education. education. And
0: you're fifteen years later mm-hmm. after your education, after that high school moment, yeah. after that moment, and you still remember that.
3: Absolutely, that's mm-hmm. a core memory. That's part of why I became an ABIT teacher myself. Actually, wow, yep, that's amazing, mm-hmm.
0: awesome. Is there anything else that I haven't mentioned in this episode that that maybe we would like to talk about?
3: The trauma of filling out FAFSA with first gen parents. Oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> that is terrible. <laughs> So t- talk, I went
1: I, to like all the workshops and then still was like, "Mom, right? I mom, know. you understand? <laughs> no, okay. Well, let's see. Hopefully, <laughs> our cruises are yeah. there. Let's see if we get yeah. money." <laughs>
0: <laughs> talk talk to us about that, Giselle. What, what, tell us about that. And again, how, how do you how do you just convince these students, these these people like myself that were just they didn't we didn't care? Again, I didn't care. I had no idea. I was gonna go in the military. Screw all this. Um. <laughs> but how do you convince people?
3: I. Well, first speaking about my experience, so uh, how you said earlier, uh, I grew up in a single family household from the age of 13 because my mom had passed away and uh, my dad got injured on the job in 1999 or 2000. So my dad was on disability our entire lives. And basically that's the way that we got through high school. Like we didn't have paychecks. We, We had government aid. And so um, with that, obviously, you know, when you're filing FAFSA, you need tax returns. And so I didn't have tax returns and I was so stressed out, not only stressed out, but also embarrassed because I had to reveal my financial situation mm-hmm. and say, my dad doesn't have a, a W-2. He doesn't have the tax returns.
0: So that's the thing, yeah. the, the embarrassment of mm-hmm. your dad the not shame, working. shame, yeah.
3: So there was, okay. Yeah, I, I felt embarrassed. And now that I'm... Uh, a senior teacher and I've uh, met with my students on zoom. I do weekend like meetups. I, I do whatever it takes to help my students fill out their fast list. One thing that I'm very transparent about is my own situation because a lot mm-hmm. of my students feel ashamed when they, um, Tell me, like their parents have seven hundred dollars in the bank account, or my dad made ten thousand dollars working in agriculture last year, and so I feel like um, going to the theme of the show, um, destigmatizing um, poverty and first generation, you know, jobs because that's the reality of the situation when I was in high school, and it continues to be that situation today in twenty twenty two.
0: Right. No, absolutely. And again, I see it. Um, mm-hmm. And again, one of my one of my goals is to again, get my nonprofit to go ahead and help high school students uh, get through this, uh, mm-hmm. the, the FAFSA application. But that's another episode. The point is that if I were to go back and think about it, it's actually better to be poor. It's actually better. It, <sighs> essentially, when it comes down to your FAFSA, mm-hmm. you're going to get more money being yes. in that, being in that mm-hmm. situation. Yes. And there's no shame in getting that FAFSA check. I'm like, oh, thank God I <laughs> yeah. got this. Because, you know, when you think about it, I was like, I was so stressed.
3: Just Yeah, mm-hmm. but be going... I don't know what your classes looked like when I was at chapter high. I was, you know, it was like the, especially back in the two thousands, it was like the ten Mexican students and the twenty or twenty five white students, and absolutely. those were like the farmers, the high income people, and mm-hmm. so feeling like a minority at a school where I was actually the majority, right? And being low income within that, it, it, the it, shame. I just felt like
0: it does something to you mentally. Yeah,
3: absolutely. You know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. No, I, I absolutely understand that. And again, I, I just kind of hearing that, I think about my freshman orientation where it was it was exactly that. I was trying to get into Avid. I didn't have the grades for it, but I, I didn't know that. But I just knew that I wanted to go ahead and succeed and, and be better, and, and I didn't know how. So I just kind of went to a, a setting where I knew I wasn't going to make it, but I'm like, I, I got to do something.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and again, I, I think it's just worth just talking about all this stuff and just – essentially just destigmatizing all this yep. stuff because again, we don't talk about this stuff and that's nope. the whole purpose of this podcast. Right. You know, we, we need to talk about this stuff because we just,
1: it's there. It's just not being talked about. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. And it sucks that, you know, like I, I, it didn't hit me when you said the word shame over, I, I just, I, I never would have imagined because that's just something that again, like when I think about it, I'm like, my parents were in that same situation, not mm-hmm. in the disability aspect, but making $10,000 a mm-hmm. year, And I'm Mm -hmm. like, and I'm just kind of thinking about it. I'm like, man, I just, I I guess I never felt anything at that moment. Mm Because my only mission was, I'm going to apply for CSEB. If I don't get accepted, I'm going into the military. And the only reason why I'm applying to CSEB is because my mom guilted me into doing (laughs) this. And then... I got accepted into CSUB.
1: You're like, oh dang it! (laughs) Now I got to put in work.
0: (laughs) No, I did. It was. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. It was crazy. I said, "Fuck!" when I got (laughs) when I saw when I saw my acceptance letter. I was like, "Fuck." (laughs) <laughs> and then I realized I was actually kind of good at school. And then it got into mm-hmm. a competition of like ensuring that my brother wasn't the only person that had a degree. <laughs> right.
2: And,
0: and that's the only thing that kind of that kind of drew me into obtaining my master's because then he got his master's. I'm like, you're not going to be the only one. that gets it. <laughs>
2: <clears throat>
0: So again, another way of de- of ensuring you know academic success is maybe get into a competition. You know, with, <laughs> yeah, with I guess with so. the, with those people that are around you, your your classmates. And again, ensuring that and just seeing where it goes Mm
1: -hmm. at the end of
0: the day, the worst thing that could possibly happen is you fail. Right. And yeah. then at some point you don't, you stop failing, you, yeah. you succeed. You just fail right. until you don't. Or you
1: just learn from those failures and you're like, okay, this time I'm going to do this because right. I know that route didn't take me a good way or whatever. Right. And yeah. you just learn along the way. That's what life is, you know? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And and I
0: failed so many times and when I failed, it's just like, okay, this is what not to do.
3: Yeah. Pretty yep. much exactly yep. how I feel. Yeah, And, and at this mm-hmm.
0: point I've invested so much into this point that I, failure is not an option anymore. Right. Yep. Yep. So okay
3: slim shady i know shady. right so i dropped the mic <laughs> no
0: don't drop these mics it works
2: better. <laughs>
0: so with that said i'd like to thank everyone for for taking their time to go ahead and do this episode Any last comments
1: no but thank you for having us yeah i yeah. feel very I, I don't know what's the word like i feel very um what's the word i'm trying to think of like very flattered that you even thought of me to be on this podcast oh, <laughs> seriously oh, for sure you, you're actually one of the
0: first people i thought about and, and again thank you that. ladies so much so I'll, I'll go ahead and tag everyone in on this episode on the on the promotional flyer but you could go ahead and find these stigmatized on the apple podcast spotify google podcast and the iHeartRadio. radio this is episode four latinas breaking uh, stigmas and again thank you all so much for being here tonight
1: thank you thank you, thank you.